chapter 9 and verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the windows, all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. Well, in Acts chapter 9, we have more than one testimony in this chapter. When someone thinks of Acts chapter 9, they typically think of the testimony of Paul and his salvation on the road to Damascus. That's in the beginning of the chapter. But here in the end of the chapter, we have a different Bible character that we're going to share tonight whose testimony we just read. And that is Dorcas. First of all, for the defining of Dorcas... And by the way, she doesn't have a twin brother named Dork. Uh, somebody made a joke about that. That's, that. You don't find that in the Bible. But you do find Dorcas in the Bible. This is the Greek name for this woman. And in, in Syriac, which is a derivation of Aramaic, a lot of people just in general say Hebrew, but... This woman has a, Dorcas has another name, and it's Tabitha. And both of these names mean gazelle. That animal, the gazelle, has a certain beauty in the way it moves. Even the eyes of the gazelle are, are beautiful for an animal. And, and so this animal stands for an emblem of beauty. And Dork, Dorcas was known for her grace and beauty. We're not told what she looks like on the outside. She may have been beautiful outside, but we are told in God's word what she looks like on the inside. And that is beauty on the inside 
of this woman. Having two names, this was typical and standard, a lot of people would say, uh, for a Jew. It was customary, especially living in a seaport area like Joppa, because you had Jews uh, who lived there, and you had Gentiles who lived there as well. She was probably referred to by both of those names, depending on who she was talking to. So there's a little defining of Dorcas. But let's get into the deeds of Dorcas. We see in verse 36, at the end of the verse, it says that this woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did, she was full of good works. That word full means nothing more could be added. She was busy in, in doing good deeds. I want to talk just specifically on the deeds that she did at first in this portion, which it says she did. She didn't talk about what she was going to do. She didn't talk about what should be done and then hope somebody else would do it. She did what she was able to do. Her deeds were according to what she had. She used her fingers and she used her funds. She had money and she had a needle. And she used this needle... For constant works that she did. She did alms deeds. That has to do with, with whatever money she had. And she did good works. And that had to do with her needle that she had. She sewed clothes together. She made coats. She made all kinds of garments for, for widows. For the needy. For the poor. For those in the church. And, and by the, her testimony, those in the community as well. She had learned to sew, and she used it for good. I don't know how she learned to sew or when she learned to sew. Maybe it was when she was a young girl. Maybe her mother and her grandmother sewed clothes together and, and did that for people. And they brought the daughter up in the same way. I don't know. But along the lines of that subject, it's really good to teach our children something to where they can use it to serve the Lord. Uh, you know, if you, if you get your child into instrument lessons, don't, don't let them give up. Don't let them have the easy way out like I did. I tried my daughter with piano and my son with a guitar. And I could see zero interest whatsoever and not everyone's meant to do that but I should have said son you're going to do that until you start shaving I should have told my daughter you're going to play that piano and learn it till you go off to college I, I didn't do it though but but I just think about where did this come from that the daughter does this and I think about our children or maybe our grandchildren you can pass this on to your kids for their kids that teach them to do something that they can use for good, that they can have as a talent. I know Beverly Stone taught the kids to sing. By the way, that, that's a hard job in some family. There, there was some inheritance there, you know, to work with. 
I don't think that would do too well in my family. But whatever, whatever it is that you find to try to do with your children, do that. She was known in a ministry of using a needle for clothing people in garments. She would stitch it up with this needle of hers. She made coats probably for the community. You know, some know how to play an instrument. Some know how to sing. And, and that becomes the ministry that they're a part of. For others, it may be cooking. You know, when I, when I see the word hospitality in the Bible, I, I think of a picture that ought to be beside that, and, and that is what, what Dawn Metter and so many members do by taking food to those who are ill, been out, just got out of the hospital, who can't cook for themselves. What, what a ministry cooking can be. And, and look, then there are those who just know how to maintain a building. You know, when something's broke, they know who to call, what to do, and how it needs to be fixed. That's a ministry in and of itself. You know, it might be writing a letter to our guests of the church or, or even members of the church. Some people love to sit down and write a letter. I've always said I'm going to write letters to those in the military of the church. And we end up calling or texting on the phone, but I, I don't lock down and write that letter. Some people, that may be your thing and, and you're good at it. And, and it's a ministry in and of itself. I mean, this woman's ministry was a needle, all right, that she stitched with. She did good deeds and she provided needs for those around her. She made a difference in other people's lives and you know and as we think about strictly good works and doing good deeds you might think about the police officer in this world what a, what a great service they supply to this country and all over the place or maybe the fireman or the doctor or the nurse or the home health care worker or the teacher or those in education what a what a good work that is and some have a desire to do this good work. And it just may be that there are those out there of, of these positions in the world. And they're doing it for a paycheck. I say that as we get to our next point. Because we've looked and we see the deeds of Dorcas. But now let's consider the discipleship of Dorcas in verse 36 again. It says, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple. Dorcas is a Christian. She's a member of the church at Joppa. She wasn't just using her money and needle to give and to make garments. She served the Lord Jesus Christ by what she did. Okay? He was her reason, her motivation, her persuasion for why she did what she did by way of service and using her gift and doing good deeds. It was for the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes a big difference in how we go about doing what we do in good works. We could serve in ministry for self-righteousness. 
You know, self-importance. Maybe the idea of authority. Maybe for attention to what we do. And these are all wrong reasons for doing good. What we do is only genuine and it's only rewarded by Christ when our influence for doing what we do is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, giving a cup of cold water, it's acceptable when you give it in His name. You know, so there may be a lot of big things done out there, but the cold water Christian who's doing their portion of service in Jesus' name and because of Christ will be more greatly rewarded than what our eyes would see as bigger things being done. Her deeds as a disciple came from a heart which loved her Lord. She was filled with greatness to God for His saving grace. So in her ministry of making garments... You know, you you might just imagine her handing out what she had sewn together to give someone and and somebody seeing the compassion of Jesus in her eyes as she gave it. She freely gave it. You You can just imagine what she did to give to others and it was able to be so freely received without burden to it. That's what happens When we do what we do, persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone she helped didn't feel like they were in debt to her, but simply touched by the love of Jesus. You know, as as we think about this woman, and we think about her deeds, and as a disciple, I, I think about what it says in the book of James. It says, faith without works is dead. How about we turn that around just for a minute and consider that works without faith is dead. She did what she did with faith. And what she did gained merit with God. Dorcas used her hands to serve others and it was inspired by the one who had his hands raised and was pierced on the cross for all of us. As a result of that, as a result of her motivation being her Lord, the ministry that she had, that she was a part of, it was selfless and it sought out the well-being of others. I tell you what, if we can keep that focus, there will be a lot less burnout. There will be a lot less frustration in ministry. Don't get me wrong. There's always some frustration that tries to come our way as we serve. Something's always trying to come against us as we serve in, in other ways. But may it not be because our eyes are not on the one who's who owns this ministry that we're a part of, who has given us to do what we do. She didn't talk about what she did. 
You, you can tell by her character. She simply did what she did. And it was charitable. It was unselfish. And she did it all with a needle. She was full of ministry for the Lord. Full of good works. By that needle that she used for Christ's sake. All praise for this ministry went right from her needle to God. And it didn't stop or pass anywhere else on the way. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35, He says, For I was an hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. The ministry that she was a part of was laid out by Jesus Christ. She was part of an ordained ministry from our Lord that, that He put out there in, in advance. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God hath before ordained the good works that we should walk in them. So the ownership of the ministry we're a part of, the creator of it, the initiator of it, and the credit all goes to the Lord God for what we're able to do. And by the way, Ephesians 2.10 also has a huge word in it. This is a huge verse. And it says that we're created in Christ Jesus Unto good works. That word unto in the Bible right there is a huge word. It doesn't say we're created in Christ Jesus by good works. So don't think what I thought back before I knew much about God. That if you were a good person and you cut your neighbor's grass. Maybe you'd be able to go to heaven. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved unto these works that God hath before ordained. Good works and alms deeds do not produce salvation. There's a religion out there that, that one man, before he got saved, he summed up his religion by, well, I was told if you give your money to the church that God will have a place for you in heaven. Good deeds... And alms deeds do not produce salvation. But real salvation produces good works. And Paul told Titus, They which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. This woman, this great, this woman of God, this great example for us, Dorcas, she did just that. I mentioned burnout and frustration in ministry. And the remedy for most of it is keeping in check where our inspiration is for what we're doing. Our motivator for what we're doing. It must be the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be looking to Jesus. And the glory for what we're a part of goes to Jesus you know, we need our position of service more than our position of service needs us. When we look to Jesus, that is the attitude that develops in us. 
because it's a privilege to be able to serve the Lord. And that's the remedy for the frustration in ministry and serving and, so, and, and a weight of responsibility and the temptation to walk away from it sometimes. The remedy is to look to Jesus, the one who gave it, the one who empowers us to be able to do what we do. And he gets the glory, the talent, the means, and the energy for the giver of the ministry comes from Jesus. And when we're looking to him, then we can be like Dorcas. And you can imagine the joy in the giver and the joy in the receiver. In the ministry that she was a part of. We kind of change gears here for a minute. After we go from the defining of Dorcas to the deeds and to the discipleship. Now we get to the death of Dorcas. And that's in verses 37 and 38, where it says that it came to pass in those days, in those days while she was full of good works and alms deeds, that she was sick and she died. Let me just interject something for us right there that's clear. And that is that we can be faithful to the Lord Serving the Lord in a good way with the right motive. Looking to Jesus. And problems will still come in our lives. And this is what happened to her. She was sick and she died. And, and I've you know, said that we don't need to be talking about our assurance of heaven. And trying to pray those saints of God back. After they have moved on from the church to glory. It's something to celebrate. But nevertheless what happens initially is a shock and a sadness over, over that separation that happens. I mean Paul said he would have sorrow upon sorrow if his friend Epaphroditus had died. You know the Bible talks about how we sorrow not as others which have no hope. That doesn't mean we don't have sorrow Whenever someone passes away, it means we don't have sorrow like the endless sorrow of the world that takes place. So I say that just to imagine the church at Joppa at this time with such a precious, devoted, loved child of God and member of the church who has suddenly uh, died right in the midst of her labor and love. It was a tough time. For the church, it was a tough time for the community. That brings to mind a, a Baptist preacher who passed away a couple of years ago. It was right at the most aggressive time of COVID or whatever you want to say. It was right at the time where the people were the most fearful of COVID that he died. And his funeral service was to take place. And the day came of his funeral. And you wondered how many would show up due to their scare or due to the, you know, stuff that was going on. And every seat became full. Stand, everyone was standing perfectly side by side, elbow to elbow, packed like sardines. 
against the wall all the way around right up to the speaker's podium and, and even more back the other side to the piano. The foyer was about the size of our large foyer out here and it was packed. People were outside standing on the sidewalk and on the lawn for this man's funeral. How did he make such an impact? Pastor Melvin Holyfield. Melvin Holyfield was his name. And I know the way he made me feel when I looked around as I was packed in there like sardines with the rest of them during the big scare and pandemic. I couldn't stay away from honoring and celebrating this man's life because his deeds as a disciple were clearly inspired by Jesus. His job as a pastor was not work to him that he dreaded. He was looking to Jesus and he was empowered to do all that he did and everything he did. It came forth with love. It came forth with love to the church. There were Two dozen preachers there. There were all kinds of Christians there. There were all kinds of lost people at this preacher's funeral from the community. People he met out and about. Who knows how many were saved, which only the Lord Jesus can save. And it's all, people are only saved by God drawing them. But I know my troubles drew me to look to Jesus. And I believe there's no doubt that God used this man's life, this man's testimony and example to draw many that they might be saved. His ministry was just laced with, you could describe it as, the love and compassion of Christ. When Dorcas had her life leave her body, Widows were standing around holding their coats, wanting to show them to Peter when he got there possibly some 15 to 18 hours later from the journey it took to go get him uh, from Joppa and then back to Joppa. And they were weeping, holding the things that she had made to provide for them. Who knows, maybe the poor and needy were gathered on the outskirts of this event if they heard about it. In one sense, you could say, what a way to go because she died useful and full of good works for the Lord with that needle in her hand. The testimony she left behind, though, you think about how it touched the hearts of many. You know, most of my favorite commentaries that I read and study with, they're from preachers who are already in glory now. But the work that they did continues to be impacting here and helping others here when they're no longer here. Imagine with Dorcas, how many lives might have been saved by the motive and inspiration in her ministry that was left behind when, when in that moment she had died. The result of her life and testimony no doubt impacted the lives of many, that many may have come to Christ. That's what we're talking about tonight, the impact of Jesus Christ and his persuasion and his empowering of us 
in ministry and the motive that it gives you and I, it lives on after death. And Dorcas is a great example of this. May, may our lives be so impacted by the Lord that we are full of good works. I, I tell you, when, when we get to thinking too hard and when, and when our minds get to taking us too low, I tell you, a great remedy is to get up and do something for the Lord. There's no better medicine than that which comes from heaven. When, we, when we'll stop thinking about these things and start doing. May our lives be full of good works. And, you know, and we can relate a lot of people to this. Maybe there are loved ones who have passed on, former church members, people you served with, Christians you've known, and they're in glory now. And their testimony still impacts you today. So we can relate to this as the life of Dorcas left her body there. But something we don't see today a lot is what we see in verses 39 through 42. And that's the deliverance of Dorcas. And I'm not talking about the deliverance of heaven. That's what the child of God today is going to have. Whenever it comes our time on this earth, we're going to be delivered from this flesh. We are going to go to be with our Lord in glory forever. We're going to praise Him all the time. We're going to worship Him nonstop. Our deliverance is glorious, but we have a different deliverance that happened in this day. And that was, that was Dorcas and her resurrection. Peter shows up and he arrives in Joppa, and the widows, they're wanting to show what Dorcas gave to them, and they're weeping, and, and they think everything's hopeless, and it's all gone, and, and he's got to push that aside. And Peter gets there. He kneels down. He prays, and he said, Tabitha, arise. And Dorcas was restored to life. This was the first time in Scripture that God used an apostle for the raising of life again by the power of God. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus prophesies it in 10.7. He says, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He was used to raise the dead here, and Dorcas was restored to life. Just consider for a moment how we can't identify with that today, but when we look at her situation, we would call that a hopeless situation. She has died. It has been over half a day that she has died. Hopeless, right? You know, we're not in that situation today. But you and I get into a lot of situations. And we title these situations as hopeless. We do that and it, and it really doesn't flatter God too much. For us to consider a situation hopeless. Dorcas was in that situation 
we might say, and Jesus had her raised from death to life. And there's a death-like situation we may be in. And we need to know today that God can raise that to life. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Dorcas was the kind of Christian where God could use her life for his glory, her death for his glory, and her resurrection for his glory. You could sum up Dorcas with, whether I live or whether I die, my aim is to bring glory to God. Look at verse 42 at the end of the verse. First of all, it was known throughout all Joppa what happened to Dorcas, that she was resurrected, and many believed in the Lord. Wow, she sure couldn't understand what was going on. The church at Joppa, their minds were blown as to what happened to Dorcas. And God was just using her life in another way to bring himself glory. People resurrected out of the graves of sin, if you will. And they were saved. They rose above their unbelief. And they were born again in the Lord. The mourners were comforted. Miraculous power was witnessed. And she could pick her needle right back up. And continue in ministry again. I wonder how much increase the church saw. I mean a lot of people were saved. When this happened to her. And so God added to the church there. All glory to God. Many salvations happened. He used the life, death, resurrection of Dorcas to draw others to a place of decision about salvation for their souls. I'm not trying to say that she's a type of Christ. I don't see that or say that whatsoever. But he used her in life and he used her in death. And he used her to show his miraculous power that was witnessed. Her life says, whether I live or whether I die, may God receive the credit. May he be glorified. And you know, maybe there are Christians here that maybe we can relate to this in another way. Maybe we need a spiritual resurrection tonight. We all get to that place. I'll never forget when Pastor Stone preached a sermon on fan the fire. And when he preached that sermon, I might be fooling myself. This was years ago. And I thought to myself, I was thankful that I don't think I've ever been to that place yet in my spiritual life where I've had to fan the fire. And just being real open with you tonight, there was a time that I got to that place. And I remember that message. I think it was from back in 06 that I heard it. And, and what came to my mind whenever I, I felt like there was something wrong with some desire. I, I just felt like things weren't just right in my life. I thought back to needing to, to fan the fire. And so we all need a resurrection in our spiritual life. 
It's at different times. Maybe everyone's good here tonight, but maybe there's someone who needs a spiritual resurrection. We need a constant transforming in our lives to where we look more like Jesus every day, all the time. What an example Dorcas is of this with her faithful ministry. When our lives are revived, it'll cause a revival in others. Thank God for those Christians who are walking in God's grace and in His will, and they have a zeal. It makes me want to go act like I'm accidentally touching shoulders with them as if something could pass to me that way. But it's so encouraging to have revival in a life and what it will do for others. Look how many lives were touched as a result of Dorca's life. It will attract lost souls to the Savior. You know, Peter stayed a while. Peter was... Asked to come there to, to help with her. And God used him and gave him the power to raise her up. And he stayed a while. Why? Well, there were new converts that needed to be grounded in the word. And I don't know. I think I'd have a hard time leaving. I think after an event like this that God used her for and that God did, I'd have a hard time walking away. I had a hard time going to the baptistry Sunday morning after that message. I, I couldn't leave and go baptize her hardly because of the message. It's hard to leave a spiritual awakening situation. When, when revival is preached, when revival is happening in people's lives, he stayed there and he taught the converts and grounded them in the truth couple of last things, a couple of last takeaways. Dorcas is such an amazing example. We're talking about her today, and look at when this happened. And we're talking about her life. Takeaway is Dorcas wasn't trying to get famous with her needle and her skilled hands. She was just simply being faithful to the Lord with what she had and what she could do for Him. Christ through her ministry work. She didn't, she didn't know, imagine, or plan on, or seek the far-reaching effects that her ministry had that came from her stitching. She wasn't desiring to be a leader, but a laborer for the Lord. And her example becomes greatness to us. How about... Another takeaway, she could have got down on her life. We don't know details, but, but when her lifeless body was there, it said widows were there, but it doesn't say any family was around. We don't learn of her family. You know, was she kind of lonely in that way? Did she dwell on that? It doesn't look like it. I've recently asked for prayer several times for the Nimi Zachariah family. And I said family. Well, it ends up that her only family was one brother. Maybe some cousins or something extended, but one brother. Her dad had died, her mother had died a long time ago, and her fiancé had died a long time ago. And people stood up, different ones, passing at different times, maybe didn't hear the others, and said, when you talk to her, she was listening like you were the only one in the room. 
and what you had to say was the most important thing. She didn't dwell on the very hard knocks in life and the hard blows that were dealt to her. She let her life be used by Jesus. They said in, in, in the words of people that Jesus was just all over this woman, Ms., uh, Nimi, with, with things happening to her family the way that it happened. It may be the same with Dorcas here. They weren't mentioned when she died. How about her suffering sickness when she was doing such good work? She was full of good works and sickness hit her. And minute by minute, it ate away at her until she died. But she didn't get down. By the testimony here, she kept picking up the needle. And she kept on being full of good works. Let's consider Dorcas in our everyday life. And do what we can while we can with what God has given us. And come what may. Whether it be life, whether it be sickness, whether it be right there near death's door, or whether it be what God might want to use our testimony for after we're gone, or whether it be revival, may we aim to glorify God through it all. What we see in Dorcas is that she magnified Jesus through it all. You know, as we close at at this thought of revival tonight. Revival broke out in Joppa as a result. And as we think about that. And consider praise that's to be given to God. You know have you ever thought of the two subjects that we hear. In, in the hymn revive us again. I'm just going to read these and we're going to be done. But there's two subjects. There's praise. And there's revival. How a great way to start revival back in our life is to give praise to the Lord. Listen to the first three stanzas of this song. It says, we praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. We praise thee, O God, for thy spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and cleansed every stain. Then the request, revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, Thine the glory, revive us again. Dorcas, this woman, a Christian who lived in revival because of faithfulness, because of God doing whatever he wanted to do with her in life and in death and used her for the reviving of others. What a great woman of God. What an example for all of us. Don't forget her. Don't forget Dorcas. Amen. With that, we're going to end Bible study. And God bless you all for your time tonight. And we went a little over. Teenagers are still upstairs. Kids still in Awanas. But God bless you all. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Please remember those who are in great need of our prayers. And.
Cody Boone, would you close our Bible study in prayer tonight, sir?